Star Scene Radio, but still ASS Radio. I am Francis, Face Boy Hall, and with us at home, my co-host and partner, Lucas. Hi. And my guest, friend for over 40 years, Adam Spire. Hi. So, Adam, you have a book coming out September 1st called You Can Keep That to Yourself. A comprehensive list of what not to say to black people for well-intentioned people of pallor. And uh, I read it. Actually, I've read it twice already. And the first question I have for you on this book is, uh, what was edited out and why? <laughs> uh, that's, that's great. You know, I don't think anything got edited out. I, it's funny because when I, when I wrote it, it was, you know... Um, I, I, I've been writing this book my whole life, obviously, and I just decided to just get it all down. My process generally is to overwrite, to just get, because I'd rather edit than have to come up with more. You Absolutely. Know? That's so, why I asked that question, because I yeah, thought for sure. But I don't think we cut anything. I was I was very open to things being cut, but it seemed like each entry resonated for somebody. You know, I, I, I never I never expected each entry to resonate for everybody. Um, but as long as as long as each page captures something that people have experienced, then I think it 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 needed to be in there. And so, uh, you know, everything kind of made that cut, which was pretty surprising to me. Yeah, that is surprising. I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, <laughs> that's that was supposed to take up. <laughs> about 10 minutes <laughs> well, you know but I, I, I guess the, the reason the reason for that would be the reason for the book which is that each one of these is like a thing people different people have received this book in different ways um, some people have received it as guidance which um, you know was I appreciate that and it actually could be helpful as guidance it wasn't written with that intention it was written as basically, you know, um, venting, you know, mm -hmm. um, but, but some, you know, people, people are taking it different ways and, and, you know, just it, it's out in the world and, uh, it gets a life of its own once you let it go. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned that I read it twice and I'll tell you why, because the first time I read it, I, uh, I breezed through it. And I thought to myself, well, that was an easy read. And then I thought about it. I was like, this is Adam. This is not supposed to be an easy read. You better fucking read that shit again. And I did. And it wasn't easy. And I think that that speaks volumes um, to, to what my opinion on, of it is. I think it's, it's excellent. And one of the things I thought maybe I'd do is find a non-offensive way to keep to use all of those words just for humor and then i thought you know 
I can keep that to myself. Oh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so satisfying. <laughs> so it worked. You did read it. You really did read it. That is awesome. <laughs> you mentioned we mentioned at Soundcheck that uh, Lucas was was nervous because uh, he is now finds you a role model and. Um, Let's let's explore that a little bit. How how that uh, how being a role model has affected your life. I, I appreciate it greatly. I appreciate Lucas what you said. We were we were dangerously close to the experience that I had, especially as a young writer, where I'd get off the stage from doing a reading and people would say, "Oh, that was so brave," <laughs> which that takes some getting used to. You're like, "What the fuck did I just say? Should I have kept that to myself?" Um, but uh, I'm 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 part of a culture and uh you know i have people that have helped me i'm helping people i am i'm surrounded by people that inspire me i have begun to inspire others and it just feels it's just um i i just like that technically i have the same job title as some of my heroes you know and who are some of your heroes uh, Ernest Gaines was one. I mean, I guess he still is. He passed recently, but um, you know, it's funny. Not just not so much keep that, but uh, my first book, the novel Knucklehead. It was, you know, I was I was realizing my own vision, but Ernest Gaines was writing like the book I was trying to write back when I was born. Okay. And for Knucklehead, you were shortlisted for the Ernest Gaines uh, Literary Achievement Award. Is yes. that right? Yes. Maybe that's why he came to mind. I was just in um, Baton Rouge last year um, for that year's ceremony. I was shortlisted the year before that. And just, just that someone who was such an important part of that tradition was recognizing me as part of that same tradition just to be on his radar um, blew my mind. So I, Lucas, I, I thank you. And uh, you know, that's, that's what it is. Writers help each other. Writers, writers read each other and inspire each other. And it just keeps going because th this shit ain't easy and it's lonely. It's inherently lonely. So community is super important. Yeah. But also, you know, it's, it's lonely, yeah, but you know, is there a better time in history to do have a job that doesn't involve a lot of other people and that you can do at home? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Writers, most writers are inherently socially distanced. Yes, mm -hmm. that is true. Some of the other writers that may have inspired you, or teachers. Hmm. Well. Frank McCourt, of course, if we're talking teachers, I, uh, he was a uh, creative writing homeroom and I'm not sure what else teacher for me in high school. And I wish he had lived to see me actually writing professionally. He, he read a lot of my high school papers. Um, I have, I have, uh, some paper I did for, I think it was Irish lit and I was writing something and, and he just had a comment for like a whole page and the comment was blather. <laughs> that's just how that's, that's just how Mr. McCourt was. But um, you know, a few of us 
from that, you know, that class at, at Stuyvesant High are, are like actual writers now. Susan Jane Gilman, probably most notable among them, and, and uh, teachers influence people. You know, they might not see the full result. It might take a while for it to even, you know, bloom, but but that's huge. Um, Matt Johnson is a professor and prolific writer. He's written um, several different forms. I was at a reading. I don't know if I had started Knucklehead yet, but I was writing something, and I was at a the faculty reading of a week-long workshop for writers of color called Vono Voices. And um, he read a piece, and it was so 100% my scene. You know, I feel like when I was, when I was new to being a quote-unquote serious writer, I was wondering if there was anybody who, you know, if there was a market, that's not quite the right word, but is there anybody buying what I'm selling? Is there anybody feeling what I'm feeling enough that they'll actually take the time to read it? And so this brother, he's it, what he read was, it was a short story about a dude who was trying to break into the world of henching. In this world, there were actual superheroes and supervillains, but they were kind of um, real. They, they weren't what, magical. What, they what were, is henching? It was being a henchman. Okay, the that's what I thought. So, 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 like, let's say some guy, you know, he has a little money, a uh, brick falls on his head, and he decides he's going to take over the world. He'd put out an ad in Craigslist or something saying, you know, I'm auditioning henchmen for this job. And so the short story was this dude, you know, with this ill-fitting mask on, eyeballing some other dudes sitting in the van all on their first, like, henching gig. And it was hilarious, and it was violent, and it was smart and gritty and i'm like okay this is a thing like it was you, you we have those moments when we read sometimes but it's the first live experience i remember of standing in the audience watching somebody do something that i wanted to do or was trying to do successfully and you know everybody needs to see that in every area we all need to see people ahead of us doing what we think we might want to try to do um, a, a lot of my other heroes I have not met. Um, Walter Mosley, Maya Angelou, Chinua Achebe. When uh, Maya Angelou and, uh, and Achebe died very close together. I don't remember how many years ago it was. It was probably within a year of each other. And I felt like words, like going forward, are going to suck a little bit. Like just the, mm -hmm. the, the people putting words into the world that just the quality, the overall input just dropped a little bit. That was, but but the good thing about books is that they stay. So there's that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I I felt very much like the, like we well being so many people, and we've talked about it a lot over the past couple of weeks that uh, that we definitely lost someone with powerful words uh, with John Lewis recently. Oh, and yes. he was on my short list of people that I would want to meet in my lifetime. And that's uh, obviously not going to happen. But I was very glad to be able to, to have a format where I could, you know, pay tribute. And we dedicated one entire episode and, uh, and also part of the episode the day after he had passed and, and, and we just continue to because 
Because wow, you know what a life, what a life. Honoring what people's, an important life. What an important life. Yeah, and what an impact on so many people. The impact is visible. Like it's not. It people aren't just saying the words. Like half the time they tear up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask you a question related to that because I'm seeing it here in New York um, that the uh, his passing at this time did have a certain significance. Well, it would have at any time, but the fact that there are all these protest movements happening right now, I'm seeing a real sense of, uh, I'm seeing new leaders come, come out of it. I'm seeing, organi- I'm seeing protests that are highly organized and peaceful. And I think that, that, uh, that some of these leaders have probably you know, looked to him and his work for guidance. Do you see any of that in uh, in San Francisco? You know, the, the whole issue of protests has gotten a lot more complicated now that they've been subverted. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a disconnect between the movement and what's going on out in the streets. So I... I uh, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm, I've, I've socially distanced myself from that a little bit because it's it's a little bit more of the same when people are saying, hey, you know, maybe don't kill us for fun. And then somebody throws a brick through a window and the vibe is a little bit like, oh, we'll see. It's all kind of OK to kill you for fun. And then you find out it wasn't even one of us who did it. So it just the whole the, I feel I feel like this is an, an evolving process and there are going to be moves and counter moves. I'm doing what I do. Other people do what they do. But protests, especially during a pandemic, have gotten so complicated. I can't even imagine how John Lewis saw it, except to think that, you know, hopefully he had a, presumably he had a very long-term view. Well, what I thought you were going to say was, you know, I wonder what he, you know, what, what must it be like to leave now? But I have to assume that somebody like John Lewis has seen so many cycles that any point in the cycle is going to look, you know, is going to be in in a larger context. Well, in the op-ed that he had written to be published upon on in his on the day of his funeral, and it was published in the New York Times, he was definitely. Um, he was he was definitely praising the this movement and how oh, it was yeah. being handled. Absolutely. Um, and so I just want to get back to because I don't really feel like I got a, a real sense of it. Um, again, here in New York, I'm seeing organized peaceful protests. I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing police spend stupid amounts of money to go against the to to try and arrest leaders. Um, Again, just making they're making their own argument for having you know the how their funds are being spent looked at to say the least. Are you seeing organized peaceful protest in San Francisco? Uh, your your guess is as good as mine, man. I'm holed up because of the pandemic. You know, I'm seeing the same news that you're seeing. I don't think it's Portland out there, but okay. Um, I, I I guess what I keep. I guess what I keep snagging on a little bit is 
and and don't get me wrong, I understand the importance of peaceful protest, but the idea that the value of my life rises and falls with um, the ability of protests to exclude agitators. The fact that somebody can, can drive on the highway for 45 minutes and go someplace and be part of a demonstration they are opposed to and disrupt it, and somehow that blows back on me, I guess that's the part that I... Uh, that that's that's I, I would say objection compound right because it's just there's so many moving parts to that question so I I, I oh, how do I put this that's not my area I'm not like a protest person I'm a writer I'm more of a one-on-one -on -one slash written word person I'm okay. not out there yeah and you know that is my area. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> since, yeah. Since I was, since since I was, since we met when yeah. at thirteen, fourteen, it's in my blood. It's uh, it's what I know. It's what I grew up with. You know, Greenwich Village, nineteen sixty five, as as a baby. Uh, this is what I was seeing, and I was seeing change due to protest. And so, yeah, that so, uh, and and it and it really kills me that I can't actually be on the streets. You know, because I have to do everything as if I'm a vulnerable 87-year-old. Because anything I do, anywhere I go, it comes back to this apartment. Mm -hmm. And I can't take that kind of risk. But I do have this show. Uh, I do have the ability to say, you know, to reach people. We're still top 10 show on the station. I'm pretty fucking psyched about that. Top 10 talk show. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I can use this to, to say, at least in New York... Uh, the protests, the protesters are very peaceful. I cannot say the same about the police. There are still dangers in protesting, but those dangers are lessening. So get out there if you can. Yeah, that's very positive. You said the you miss. You said you miss New York City when we were doing sound check. What What do you miss most about New York? Man, the things I miss about New York aren't even there anymore. I don't know. I should have said I feel nostalgic about New York. Every time okay. I go back, it's different, and now I feel like. I feel like my citizenship has now been revoked twice, right? Because I wasn't there on 9-11 and I'm not there now. So when I do finally get on a plane, I'll be going back to a city that is forever changed. And I wasn't there to witness the change. I'm just there to see the aftermath. So, yeah, I mean, it's home. It would almost be more accurate to say it's home than to say I miss it because I'm in New York in the eighties. Uh, Probably a good thing. New York in the '80s is gone. <laughs> <laughs> You're not one of those people that's like, I miss the good old days when, as soon as you walked out of your apartment, you got stabbed in the eye with a fork. That's right. But you knew where people stood. They were, they were stabbing you. That's not. <laughs> I ran for my life. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you grew up in New York. How would you describe your childhood? Ha! Big question. Uh, wild. I mean, varied, right? Because it, it, it spanned, it spanned a number of very different worlds. Like probably most lives do. Um, but New York is a special place to grow up. Mm -hmm. New York is a very strange and special place to grow up. And so there was, uh a lot of fun and and a lot of drama. I think it's better 
I liked growing up there, reaching young adulthood and moving across the coast because I kind of feel like being an adult in New York, especially an adult in New York now, is probably very different than being a kid in New York then. It was just um, just everything. I, I used to when I when I first came out to California, people would ask me what's New York like, and I would say that it has everything. They're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, how do you define everything? That's the definition. It has everything. Mm-hmm. And so to grow up in that, um, it creates a certain worldview and a certain set of expectations. And then when you go, I mean, don't get me wrong, San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, that's it's everything I need. It's my spiritual home. But it isn't like literally everything where just you step out into the street and you don't know what's going to happen. That was that was wild. And I'm sure I have it um, heavily romanticized, but um, a lot of my friends do, too. And, and most of us lived. So um, I think I would do it again. I, I give it four out of five stars. That's a short answer. <laughs> That's a short answer to your question. I, I give my childhood four stars. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. In junior high school, I think about those days a lot. I think about the friendships that I made and that still exist today uh, and how amazing that is. Um, obviously, you amongst them, Norman, Robert. Uh, it's, uh, it's amazing to have these friendships last so long. Um, but I was thinking about that period, and I realized, and I, I hope this makes sense, I wasn't particularly happy but I had a lot of fun <laughs> I think, I think the most fun is had by people who aren't happy <laughs> if, if you're happy you don't have to, you don't bother why would you, you just, just there and be happy I guess but um, no I totally get that let's uh, have I, I hope you know we we're gonna ask you to read a couple of ex- excerpts I uh I did not assume that. I was actually going to ask you guys. Um, I'll, I'll read them, but um, which ones did you have in mind? Oh, whatever. It, it's, I, you know, I, I'm tempted to click over onto the book that I have open on my computer, but I know that anytime I change things, I touch anything on a computer, things just start to blow up. So we might, <laughs> so we might. Uh, ah, see, because uh, this is an opportunity for me. This, these are like my little my little uh, focus groups, these conversations. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm particularly curious, well, just what comes to mind when you, you say you read it twice and which ones stuck? Which Zeppelin? ones resonated? <laughs> Zeppelin. I really I liked was... Not All White People. That was my favorite, I think. Uh, yeah, you like that. Yeah. So that one's very short. Let me read Zeppelin. Uh it's it's got for for your listeners the book has a help, helpful little alphabetized uh, little sort of tabbed edge. So if uh, if you want to say something to a black person and you're not sure about it, you can just go quickly down your your little <laughs> book and go to the Z's. And so if somebody was gonna you know tell me about uh, how great Led Zeppelin was, for example, ideally they would open the book and quietly to themselves read this. Zeppelin. You like Led Zeppelin because they are white people playing black music. If you were older, you would have an Al Jolson t-shirt collection instead. See also the Black Crows and the Black Keys, which together include zero black people. 
Those of us who can bear hearing black music played by black people don't need Zeppelin. They are hacks. Feel free to keep them to yourself. <laughs> now, I, I do think the book should probably stand alone and the entry should probably stand alone. But if we're having a conversation about Zeppelin, I have to say anybody who wrote the Rain song, I mean, if I wrote the Rain song, I promise you, you would never hear the end of it. If I had written the Rain song, I would have mentioned. I think we lost Adam oh, there. Yeah. Hold on a second. Well, that's this is live radio, <laughs> and uh, this is right around the time when I would be doing the this conversation already. Ah, but that yeah. you, we lost Am you I for back? a couple of seconds. Yeah, Am we I lost, back? Yeah, we All lost right. you for a few seconds. Where where did you lose me? Um, if you had written rain, if I had written the rain song, I was saying I would have mentioned it two or three times in this conversation already. But that's kind of what breaks my heart about Led Zeppelin is that they had it in them to create true greatness, but they could never stop falling back on mimicry. You know, have the courage of your convictions, man. Believe in yourself. Come out with two amazing albums instead of nine albums of amazing stuff and mostly covers. All of this, obviously, your opinion may vary. Uh, I'm going to keep that don't, to myself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to talk bad about uh Zeppelin when I know that uh you know Houses of the Holy is kind of one of my favorite albums. It's just that even, even they ruined that with a little bit of some of the stuff they did. All right, I'll it. say one thing. Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys have you guys seen the uh, video of this guy who uh he goes to music conventions like NAM, like big ones, and I think he's a known person, sort of. And he'll he'll go to a, a a display and he'll play. You know, he'll try out the stuff. There's a camera pointing, and he'll play, and he plays well. And eventually, like he takes his time. Eventually, he slides into stairway, <laughs> watching the people immediately stop him. They can be three <laughs> feet away, relaxed enjoying listening to him play but as soon as i hear those first few notes the hand comes out and grabs me, the sir. <laughs> that is a real thing and it just cracks me <laughs> so now i'm more of a dancing days the ocean kind of guy myself what was the song in wayne's world that no one was allowed to play in the it was stairway <laughs> it was stairway okay all right <laughs> that just makes sense what was the excerpt that you uh, had mentioned, Lucas? Um, hold on. I forget which one I picked. Um, not all white people. All right. <laughs> I don't remember what is written there. Oh, I should also say for your readers, um, this isn't me. This book is uh, by Daquan, that black co-worker you were referring to when you claim to have black friends. I am but the messenger. This is Daquan speaking. Upfront disclaimer. Why don't you guys you chop, chop this up and put that on the top so that people understand that. But uh, here's not all white people. <clears throat> we don't edit anything. <laughs> I <know> you don't. <laughs> for better or for worse. So, I'm not supposed... Okay, not all white people. So, I'm not supposed to comment 
on in-progress genocide until every white man, woman, and child are all actively committing atrocities at the same time, like the last five minutes of a zombie movie? Until no fewer than literally all of you are calling the cops and your black neighbor for chewing gum in the tub? Only then can I make observations about my reality and the reality of my entire family going back centuries? Only then? Why would I agree to that? You know what? Maybe literally all white people. <laughs> Maybe you're not supposed to crack yourself up, but I wrote this a little while ago, so. I mean, Daquan wrote this a little while ago. I'm going to get back to Daquan in a second, but uh, you are listening to A Safe Space Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, Freeform Radio, it's important. Uh, it's important to support uh, Radio Free Brooklyn lost a lot of money. A lot of people have lost a lot of money. Radio Free Brooklyn, a lot of its revenue came out of renting out our studio for people to do podcasts. We can't do that anymore and haven't been able to for quite some time. Uh, there's, we, had, uh, we were in the middle of a Drive to Five campaign when we were turning five years old in May, and we were trying to raise $25,000. We got halfway there when COVID hit and everybody understandably uh, was concerned with, you know, how they're going to get through things and they weren't, they weren't given out. They were, they're, they, they're, they're spending money on toilet paper and tuna. Um, so now that you have your toilet paper and your tuna, if you're here in New York, uh, things are coming back. If you're in an area where you, where you feel secure, where you feel like you have a little extra to give, maybe think about giving to Radio Free Brooklyn. Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash support. Your your contributions, we are a 501c3, so your, your contributions, you can write it off. Your contributions are tax deductible. You'll feel good about yourself. You will. You'll be like, hey, I just gave money to something good. Uh, maybe maybe you get something out of, out of this show, and maybe you've tuned into other shows on Radio Free Brooklyn. It's worth supporting, so please go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash support. You can, give us, you can give us a dollar. We will take a dollar. We will literally take a dollar. Or you could do a monthly donation of, of a dollar a dollar a month, $5 a month. You know, we're worth it. We're worth it. So please, help us out. I'm, not, I'm still not asking for sponsors for this show because there's just too many organizations that need your money more than I do. So I'm, I'm maintaining that for a little bit longer. Not looking for sponsors. Don't give me money. You're fucking wasting it. <laughs> <laughs> Could you ever think I would say that? Ever? Well, I was about to say that was a very compelling appeal, and then you, you slid into don't give me money, and now it's, it's complicated. No, give it to Radio Free Brooklyn. Ah. So you can also see there are two ways to give to this show. Uh, well, there's one way to give to this show, and that's to go to the to the Art Star Scene Radio page and hit sponsor. And the other way, and the way to give to the station, which I'm asking people to do, is just to go to the main site and then RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash support, and then the money goes to the station, not to me. I see. I got you. Okay. All right. When you said sponsors, I thought maybe you'd like get a skateboard company or something to throw in and... We were just kind of naturally segue conversations into skateboards and how cool Dogtown is. Or is Dogtown still a thing? I haven't skated in a very long time. 
I don't know. My my I I don't know. My skateboard time maybe lasted two years. Shout out to Dogtown. The the funny thing is, if I was to start skateboarding again, I I have one of those like super wide skateboards from like you know the eighties, and that's not a thing anymore. So it'd be kind of like if a dude came out with one of those bicycles with the with the giant front wheel. <laughs> but hey, kids, hang ten, guys. Oh my back. So we have not spoken to you since June seventh. And when we did, we were doing a pre-record. We were wondering what the world was going to be like when that, when that uh, aired two weeks later. Now here we are more than two months later, and there have been some significant fucking changes. What is going on, California? What are you doing? What are you doing? I was very proud of us at first. I mean, I, I'm not going to armchair uh, quarterback. Gavin Newsom, I, I feel like he's one of the better governors, and and uh, it's hard to say what happened. I feel like we started off strong, and then I, I don't know what happened, and now we got to tighten up again. I don't. Well, I, I think don't... leadership has a lot to do with it, and this is one thing actually that that Lucas is is counting on you <laughs> to settle. <laughs> is that I feel that Cuomo provided tremendous leadership, and that that we have him. Not solely, but very much to thank for us getting getting to where we are now. And uh, uh, Lucas, I it's not that not... I don't think um, he's helped helped with the virus. It, it's just he's not helping people fight stay like afloat. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean it's a two front war. There's the disease itself, and then there's the fallout. I uh, I, I look at how other countries have approached it. I mean, I'm I'm not a scholar in any of this, but my understanding is that some countries devoted their resources to um, funneling cash directly to businesses so that those businesses could continue to pay people so that they could shelter in place. That seems efficient, if not elegant, but that's not how we do things here. So. I know you haven't lived in New York for a while, but. And I know that he makes mistakes, and I know that that he has, at some points, pandered to the rich. And I think, uh, you know, it was a mistake to to the CDC guideline suggesting that the elderly patients uh, be uh, that that uh, had COVID be transferred to nursing homes. Um, and that that led to uh, I might not be getting this all correct, but I think he made mistakes with nursing homes and I think he has made. But overall, I think that he is great for New York State. I've heard I've heard, you know, people are always going to have detractors and and I've heard criticisms that I have no reason to doubt. But I think we can all say he took the virus seriously, uh, yes. fairly early. And mm-hmm. and the bar has the bar is quite low right now. Please take deadly viruses seriously as soon as you hear about them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you did that, I, I've enjoyed his presentations very much. That's for sure. I mean, oh yeah, yep. It's just yeah. funny because I I remember it was somebody. It, that's that's part of New York though. Part of New York is just like being mad at the mayor. I feel like Koch um, enjoyed. 
uh, a tremendous popularity that may or may not have been deserved. But it seems like since since Koch, if you kind of want to bring New Yorkers together, just say fucking, and then whoever the fucking Dinkins, (laughs) (laughs) and then and then you're all uh, everybody's happy in New York style happy. Fucking De Blasio. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm easy. I'm fine saying fucking De Blasio, but I'm not, not there with going fucking Cuomo. That's cool. I mean, I know some people who are, but like I said, the, no matter what you do, somebody's gonna be. I guess I'm aware of this because I think Kamala's gonna be a great vice president, and hopefully a great president one day. And again, I, you know, the bar is quite low uh, right now. And and everyone has made mistakes, and I don't agree completely with anyone, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think she's going to be a great vice president. Yeah, yeah, I think he made a really good choice. I was going to ask you about that, um, but yeah, yeah, he he made a very good choice. It was in my mind like I knew that. Of course, I'm going to vote. Of course, I'm going to vote for anyone who's not Trump. But I had trouble in my head voting Biden until this ticket came together. I, you know, that's that's what the the running mate's supposed to do, I guess, is give people a little bit of what's missing from the other candidate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And folks, please, uh, please vote as early as you possibly can. Trump is doing everything he can to, to fuck things up. They're taking mailboxes off the streets here in New York and in other areas. They're literally taking mailboxes off the streets. They want to make it as difficult. And, and Trump said he was going to do it. Trump said he, 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 was, he would use his power over the U.S. Postal Service to make mail-in voting impossible. Will he succeed? I don't think so. I hope not. But you know, if if you if it's if it's possible for you to go to your polling place in person and early voting exists, do it. If we're doing mail-in voting, as soon as you get that ballot, fill it out and mail it in. It's imperative that you vote as early as possible, because they're going to argue about about Trump is going to try to disqualify votes that were not read and counted prior to you know such and such a date historically it has been more democratic votes than republican votes that have come in later um so vote early unless you're a trump supporter and take your fucking time (laughs) (laughs) i mean but you know either way he's not leaving that's been a question of mine. Uh, please explore that. I just, you know, we, we just have to wait and see what happens after election day. He's just, he's just, I don't, I don't see a person there who is going to leave no matter what. And, and then what? I don't know. Well, here's a question I've asked a few people. Um, is this fuck up enough that... America is going to say, yeah, we don't want this guy anymore. And I have doubts. I mean, I have doubts that, that it has been enough. I think that his, his supporters are, 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 have grown in the past three and a half years. I think that, uh, and, and they, are, they were enough to get him in the first time, and they have grown. I think that even if it was done 
fairly, there's a good possibility he'd be reelected. The despite copy, everything. The cop you just um, named him their candidate. Yeah, they endorsed him. The NYPD uh, police union endorsed him. Same day that the, that the U.S. Postal Service <laughs> Union endorsed Biden. Yeah, I can't say that completely surprises me, um, having having lived in New York. But you know, as far as whether the pandemic is the last straw, I don't I don't know that we're in a world that has a last straw. People being hurt or even hurting themselves. If if that were a game changer, it seems like it would have happened by now. But I think it's even deeper than that. I think it's I think it goes deeper than actual self preservation. I think identity is about as deep as it it might get for us. And identity, I don't know. People don't really seem to care what's going on around them. So, what do you do about that? Yeah, fuck Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> You know I do this. You know I go through a person's uh, uh, social media. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, put me on blast. That was friends only, bro. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh. Then I won't ask you to tell the story, unless you all want right. to. No, that's all right. <laughs> Shout out to Jerome. Shout out to Jerome. <laughs> You know the the the. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm just going to move on to something else entirely. The well, not exactly, because this is this isn't this isn't uh, so much uh, of that story. But I realized that that the the kids that like beat me up as a, when I was a kid in this neighborhood, I'm still afraid of them coming back. And beating me up. <laughs> Wait, you mean like in real life because you're still in New York or just like in your heart of hearts on some level you're thinking that they're still around? Because well, you still there, live there. There are there, these like... guys. There are these guys, Kevin and Brian, and they lived across the street from me and they were twins and they would beat me up together. So it's... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> And then, as you know, I went out to North Dakota, and I was doing tons and tons of physical labor, uh, mostly not of my choosing. But anyway, uh, I came back, and I was kind of buff, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to find Kevin and Brian. And I go over across the street where his parents had, had, a, had a, a shop, and in the shop were fucking statues for boxing championships for <laughs> Kevin and Brian. And I was like, damn it, not enough. I didn't, I'm not getting enough. Come to the lab. So yeah, oh. I still wonder like, are they going to come back to the neighborhood? Just find reasons to kick my ass again. But one of them's in prison. Well, that helps. But that when helps. You, you live in your in your childhood town. It's it's funny. I you know I I people stayed in touch for all this time, like like around each other for the last forty something years, and be, because they're the ones who did it, they don't think twice about it. You know, like I I I did a clean break. I moved all the way across the country. I knew one person. So um, it's, you know, you're all celebrities to me. All of my childhood friends, like, I remember everybody's, like, full name. It's, it's in the same part of my brain as, like, my celebrity trivia because it's, it's this They're literally celebrities. This time. Yeah, yeah, they really are. But you guys, you're just like, oh, there goes that person again. I haven't liked that person since fourth grade. And I think, I think that's awesome. <laughs> um, so... Heat wave now. I, I was looking. I, I was looking at San Francisco news today, so I could get a little sense of 
try to get a sense of what's going on there. How long has that heat wave been going on? It's fucking brutal. It's been a couple of days now, and um, I don't think it used to always be this way. I mean, in the fall, like we don't have winter, spring, summer, fall. That's not a if, – if you're a little kid and you live in the Bay Area – Winter, spring, summer, fall is probably like something you have to study for tests, but it's not a real thing. We have like perpetual fall and then we have rainy season. Like I think that I think that it actually is a monsoon season. That's that's what it was when I moved out here. Traditionally, it would rain from what? October to March. A lot. And then it was just beautiful all the rest of the time. Well, that stopped happening a while ago. You know, now we don't know what we're going to get. And it's just baking out here. I don't think that weather patterns are supposed to change within human memory. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a climatologist, <laughs> but it just seems like. No, they're not. Planet, you're not supposed to, like, remember when it was, like, truly different weather-wise. I wish yeah. I could remember her name, but there's a woman, uh, she's turning... 116 years old today and uh and she was remembering the other that the the uh the pandemic from 1918 she's like i've been through this people get a lot of people get <laughs> whoa can you imagine that's pretty great born in 1904 that's pretty great mm-hmm. yeah we had a couple of people out here who remembered the 06 earthquake I think most of them are gone now, but yeah, man, if you live through two of these, you're a tough bird. <laughs> yeah, she is. That's crazy. She's got like 260 living descendants. Somebody, um, the news hour does this in memoriam thing sometimes at the end of their broadcast where they just tell you about some of the people who we've lost to this virus. And one of them was well over a hundred, like 106 or something. So, that's a loss. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm erring on the side of, of caution. You know, I, I, people are living their lives and they say if everybody just goes out and wears masks, it's not that bad. I guess part of that would be trusting everybody to wear a mask and that's not really what's happening. This is what's so fucking frustrating. We showed New York State showed how to do it. We didn't know if it would work. We didn't know if all the things we were doing were, were going to work. We didn't know if this was a virus that could fucking float under your door. But, you know, we took the, we, we, we took the advice. You know, we, 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 wore the, we are, are still wearing the masks, the frequent hand washing, the social distancing, the stuff that, you know, I, 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 laugh, uh, I laugh when I go across the street and I see the film forum and I see the sign there that says we will be closed from March 14th to March 30th. <laughs> Ish. Ish. <laughs> and, you know, if it was that two weeks, you know, that, that might seem easy to do those things. It isn't easy to do for two weeks. And it's sure fucking hard to do for this sustained a period of time. I didn't see my boyfriend for three months. But those are the sacrifices you take, you know, when, when you have an eight, a vulnerable 87-year-old that we both love so much. And, and so it, it just boggles my mind that, that people are politicizing mask wearing. People are politicizing all this other stuff that's just we've, showed, we've shown you how to do it. Do it. Well, I mean, I think China showed us how to do it, right? New Zealand showed us how to do it. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> there, you know, this. 
I think we're the exception, not the rule. The, it the United it, States? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and human nature is, you know, is a fact, but it's, it's unfortunate that our attention span did not last longer than the lifespan of this, this thing that kills people horribly. Let's get back to your book. <laughs> On a lighter note, racism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the title, again, is You Can Keep That to Yourself, A Comprehensive List of What Not to Say to Black People for Well-Intentioned People of Pallor. So you're kind of saying who you want, who your audience is. You, you wrote this book for white people. But is that entirely true? Thank you so much for asking. And yes, um, right. It's a. Uh, it, it. When I wrote it, it was satire. Um, it, it's, it's apparently very helpful to some well-intentioned people of pallor, and I'm I'm grateful for that. Um, and 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 I think it also goes to show that maybe people don't need to be coddled as much as they think they do, because I did not write this for white people and yet people still seem to be able to take it in i i didn't downplay with a lot of implicit bias subconscious this and micro this and nano that and i just here's a here's a horrible ridiculous thing that you say to people uh, regularly and this is what uh i think of it and there it is so maybe people aren't quite as maybe some people aren't quite as fragile as as uh we think they are, or even they think they are. Who do you think uh, is going to be buying this book? Oh, man, I can never know that if I knew that. I mean, my, All right, then my I'm going to tell you. <laughs> okay, okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, <laughs> my, my vision when I wrote this book was that uh, I, I could see it sitting in, uh, sitting on a black person's desk at work just innocuously just there in the corner, maybe on a coffee table, end table. It's, it's, it's there for them. Those are, that was my, my initial target core readership is the people who have been told each and every one of these things over the course of their life. Because there's something I find comforting about, there's something I find comforting about writing about something, but there's something even more comforting about reading something someone else has written about my personal experience, and they shared it. This is a thing. This is, I, and I think, I don't like it any more than you like it, and this is obviously what this is, and this is, because this is, uh, to, to be black in America is to be gaslighted constantly. So... I this was this was my humble contribution to uh, the anti-gaslighting of black people who are just at work trying to do their job. I'm glad I asked that question because I had a you know after reading it twice, I had a feeling that there was maybe a little bit of an intentional misleading in the title. Oh, I've been known to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'll tell you what. Now I'll tell you where. Okay, tell me. Go ahead. Tell you where I think your sales are going to be. Okay. You're going to have a great initial sales uh, and some pre-orders. You got a pre-order an hour after I had uh, I had posted. One of my friends pre-ordered your book. I know that's just one, but hey, 
one hey i'll take it every single one counts um and uh i think you're gonna see a surge early december i think this is gonna make a great stocking stuffer i personally think it is a great gift i i do think that that it would be i would it would crack me up to either give or get this over the holidays i think some people seriously need it uh, mm-hmm. I, I've been through periods in my young adulthood when, when the preferred gift for me was a self-help book. <laughs> this, this might be that version of that for people. Just here you go. Hey, read this. This is interesting. Yeah, I got, I'm going to get a hard copy because I like hard copies. And hopefully you'll be able to travel here. I, I don't know why I didn't get Knucklehead signed. But uh it's such a it. cute little book. Check it out. It's just it's that's what little... I wanted. To, that's what I wanted to see what it looked like. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah that is totally tiny hardcover. It's a stocking stuffer. It's this little tiny hardcover that you could slip in your jacket pocket, and when you see a dusky person approaching you and you want to say something about their hair, you just <laughs> open this up discreetly and just go to H, and and then you then you don't. <laughs> it's designed for its purpose. So we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna check that out. We'll we'll uh, I I want I want to see if I'm right about those things because I am pretty good at friggin' you know predicting success in in people. Uh, you're the one that pointed out to me that in junior high school I said that uh, every every someday every teenage girl is gonna have a poster of Robert Downey Jr. on their wall. You you said that when we were babies like Charlie Brown. <laughs> you fucking called that. <laughs> I called that. What I didn't call is that there would also every teenage boy and adult man would have fucking action figures. <laughs> <out of them. laughs> yeah, didn't that see was, that coming. But that was remarkable, and it it had the weight of prophecy when you said it. There wasn't any arguing with it. So yeah, you yeah, the, I'll 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 take it if you if you foresee good sales for this book. Cool. I see tremendous. Uh, initial uh, i see a strong initial and then come december boom you heard it here yep. you heard it here don't don't make a liar out of our guy right <laughs> let's let's make an honest man out of him we have five minutes left um uh can you give us one more excerpt sure I, I really I, I am still curious what you would like to because look I I wrote all of these I know what these say uh, I love taking requests because it gives me some feedback so and Lucas it looks like you have it on your phone or something um no I was texting Francis but um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um I liked um I like qualified I feel like that has like unfortunately come up um, in some like organizations, like mental health organizations I've been to where we've sort of questioned if without um, like any people of color working there, are they qualified to like be treating people of color? And they were like, they literally were like, oh, it's just really hard to find anyone who's qualified. It's really, yeah. So you've been, you've been in like just rooms full of white people all kind of looking at each other surprised that everybody's white and wondering how, how, how they got there? No, it was the, the people of color were speaking up and saying that they um, they they just don't see themselves represented in the, the care. And then the, the one who runs it, she's just like, there's no one qualified. 
she, she literally oh, wow and she accidentally used the word um colored so no don't have any qualified colored people <laughs> no she used it that's that a, in wow. a different sentence but it was really it was just i was like how do you get these positions of power what, like i do that way but that's magical <laughs> all right so here's here's qualified <clears throat> you like to say to each other that you couldn't find any qualified black applicants and then nod gravely. Did they nod gravely when they said, when, when um, she said that? It, nobody stood with her, luckily. Oh, it was okay, just her. okay. <laughs> to, to continue, uh, the black woman who went to Yale somehow wasn't qualified. The black man who's been doing exactly the work you're hiring for wasn't qualified either. But the 30 identical dullards you've hired over the years all were. Okay. <laughs> Oh, wait, one more. Uh, fam. Ah, yes. Do we have time? I think so. Uh, yes, okay. we do. All right, I'll, I'll read fast. Fam. No. <laughs> I love those. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a couple. There's not much to say. There's a couple of theirs. Yeah, yeah. I love those. Yeah. Uh, three minutes. Yeah, I do want to have like a minute of just uh, I like to have the music play for a minute when we do it. So it's actually two minutes left. And uh, I want to first say thank you. Thank you so much, Adam, for doing this. Thank you for being part of my life for 40 years. Uh, and thank you for for just bringing things to the world that uh, make it a little better. Likewise, you guys are so cool and so fun, and I really like being on this show. So thank you. Lucas, thank you so very, very much for doing the technical shit to make it happen, for being a wonderful partner for six years, and uh, for, for all of the wonderful things that you do and you bring into the world. I'm really grateful for that. Thank you, listeners. Um, and remember, we, we, we've only aired one repeat since this happened we have done we continue to go live each and every saturday at 7 p.m we do this for you we do this as a way to say thank you for tuning in uh for keeping us up there in the top 10 uh thank you so much and uh and we're gonna play a little outro music See you, young mother. And we'll be with you next week. stay safe